you have your copy of God's Word this morning, you can open to the New Testament book of Matthew and chapter 6. I have been praying for you and with you this week that through our now finished week of prayer and fasting, that God would be maturing within you, giving you a new hunger uh, and fire for prayer and and being reminded of the goodness and the opportunity that we can talk to God at any time. And hopefully whatever it was that you enjoyed fasting this week, it reminded you of whatever hunger you felt, it, it drove you towards the Lord ultimately. And uh, in the same way that we experience the goodness and the fruition of knowing Christ, the, the fast is now over and we get to celebrate and enjoy together. Um, three years ago this week, October 20th, actually, 2019, was our first worship service uh, ever right here in Bayside High School. And again, we have so many things to praise God for, for his faithfulness to us in these last three years. Um, as well as things that we ought to continue to pray to God and ask for His power and the movement of His Spirit in the life of our church here, at least in year four to come, and we pray in the years ahead. Um, For Alana and I, our personal uh, prayer and fasting over this last week, one of the things that we did in the evening was we listened to a, a series of sermons on the topic of the Lord's Prayer that we prayed through this week. Uh, from a pastor by the name of uh, Randy Pope. Many of you know Randy Pope. He's the founding pastor of Perimeter Church, which is a sister church up in the Atlanta area. And he, he uh, taught through a series several years ago on really why we pray and how to pray. And his uh, sermons were not only the basis of um, our prayer guide this week, but they will be the basis of uh, our time in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. And so if you love today's sermon, praise God and thank Randy. And if you hate it, it's probably because in some way I messed it up. So I'll apologize in advance for that. Um, I do think that uh, all of us, we can probably identify with um, struggling to pray. And uh, Pastor Randy really begins by helping us think through that. Um, Do you struggle to pray or do you struggle to know what to pray for? Uh, Maybe you begin successfully with Dear Heavenly Father, um, but after the few things that are immediately on your mind kind of come and go, you run out of things to pray for, or so you feel like, and you're just not sure what to pray. Um, Praying with, with no target in mind, no purpose in mind, can feel, I think, a little bit like hunting, Uh, with no particular target uh, in mind. Maybe you're a hunter, maybe you're not, but you can sort of follow with me in the line of thinking here. You can imagine going hunting and you load up your your gun, you have extra ammo, you're ready to go, and you walk into the woods and you just begin shooting in every particular direction, up, down, sideways, left, right. And uh, after a while of just shooting exhaustively in any particular direction, um, you're tired of doing it, and so you, with great confidence, begin now walking through the woods expecting to find all of the game that you have shot. Um, the likelihood is that at the end you will find that you have caught absolutely nothing, right? If you have no target, um, you're going to struggle. And inevitably what you'll see is I, I find that there's no real connection between what I'm doing, shooting everywhere, and the result. Um, and so inevitably we will tend to give up. If we don't see results, we will tend to give up. And so uh, think this morning, do you know what your target is? When you pray, do you, you know what your target or targets are? Do you know how to pray? In Luke chapter 11, which is the uh, same version of the Lord's Prayer that we have in Matthew chapter 6, but in Luke chapter 11, we have this little nuance. One of the disciples, having seen Jesus in prayer, 
is so amazed by what he sees in Jesus praying that the disciple walks up to Jesus and he says, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus' answer to that very humble, very honest request of the disciple is the Lord's Prayer. That is how he teaches the disciples and how he teaches us this morning how to pray. And so this morning, we're going to begin by praying and reading out loud together the Lord's Prayer. I'll get us started, but I'd like us all to to read it and pray it out loud together. And I will challenge you to read it like you mean it, knowing that the Spirit of the Lord is here with us this morning. Let's read it out loud with gusto this morning. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your prayer here. Father, would you warm our hearts to you, your goodness and your gospel this morning? We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you that we can talk to you at any time. Lord, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Five targets this morning from the Lord's Prayer. Very clear. Jesus is not unclear this morning. Five targets Jesus gives us as to how we ought to pray. Number one, hopefully you had a chance to do it this week, is pray for God's honor. Pray for God's honor Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, Jesus teaches us first, before the first petition or request, he teaches us an address. Who is it that we are talking to and how should we address him? And this this address of dear heavenly Father reminds us, first of all, that God cares as a father. Jesus here is saying something radical and astounding because the Jews of that day that Jesus has just said, this is how you ought to pray, dear Heavenly Father, they didn't refer to God as Father. In fact, the name of God, the Old Testament and New Testament name of God, Yahweh, was so holy that the Jews would not even speak it. They wouldn't even write it. They would just write the initials, Y-H-W-H, and rightfully so because they recognize God's holiness. And so they approach God with reverence. And it's not that their reverence was incorrect, but now Jesus is blowing their minds by explaining to them that not only is God holy, God is a personal, close father. He's not just the almighty creator, he is near. And so for you and I today, we can address God this way, particularly when you are hurting, when you are struggling, when you are doubting, you can talk to God as a father. Jesus himself, uh, in the garden of Gethsemane, the night that he would be betrayed, and hanging on the cross, Jesus yells out, Father. But those times, and many others, he uses an Aramaic word, Abba. Maybe you've heard the word Abba. The word Abba most clearly translates as Daddy. That that is the way that we can come to God, particularly like Jesus did in his moments of deepest hurt and suffering. Now, maybe your earthly father is or was a jerk. Many of us have been or you are there. And you would say, um, my dad, my earthly dad was unfaithful. He was absent. He was violent. He was hypocritical. And for you, you'd say, I can't separate the two. Why on earth would I want another father? 
Now, the reality here, though, is that God is not just Father. He is Heavenly Father. So not only does He care, but He is capable. He is capable of being a good and a perfect Father. God is faithful. God is honest. God is present. God is righteous. God is trustworthy. And when it comes to praying, he will not just answer with what you want or ask for. No, no. As a good and loving father, he will give you what you need. He is that kind of a father. And so the instruction is to pray for God's honor to hallow God's name. Um, Hallow is not a word that I use in my typical everyday vocabulary, but it is the word that Jesus chose to use. Hallow means to sanctify, revere, or honor the name or the reputation of God. This is an invitation for us to pray that, that everything that I say and do, the way that I treat other people, the way that I lead my family, the way that I go to work each day, the way that I go to school, the way that I rest and, and recreate, the way that I share the gospel, the way that I serve in my church, that in every way what I say and what I do would amplify and lift high, hallow the name of God and his reputation. God, I honor you for who you are and for what you have done. Jesus here is teaching us to pray, I, I love this, that God, that you, God, would be known worldwide for who you really are. That is our prayer when we say, God, we, we hallow your name. We pray that your name would be hallowed, that the world would know who God was and is and always will be. There are, are many names for God, Old and New Testament. Two in particular that I love in the Old Testament. One is El Elyon. So the Hebrew word here, El Elyon, which means the exalted one, it means God is sovereign and, and God's sovereignty should always blow our minds as we try to wrap our head around how much God knows and how powerful he is. Uh, in our men's Bible study this uh, Wednesday morning, we, we got off on a tangent about the, um, the Trinity, God, three persons, one being, Pfft. You know, if you, if you claim to fully understand the Trinity, you're not telling the truth, right? Because God is so powerful. He is omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. He is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. Another name for God that we hallow, we lift high, Jehovah Jireh. You know, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides, the Lord will provide. And the reminder here, even as we pray that God's name would be hallow, we repent of in any way in our own lives, talking or acting like anything that we have is the result of what we have done. Well, it's really my planning, my ability, my forethought, my, my strength, my ingenuity, my wisdom that has built up everything that you see that I have. No, 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 no. We give all praise to the, the Lord who provides. Uh, I was thinking back uh, over the last several years. Uh, in one way, our church is three years old. For Alan and I, this, this adventure uh, began seven years ago when we moved back to Palm Bay and took on a, a, a two-year apprenticeship as a church planting apprentice. And when we moved back to the area, we had essentially nothing and we're, we're starting from the ground up and just trusting the Lord. Um, and we were sleeping on a mattress in, on the ground in somebody else's house, uh, John and Gina's house to be specific. We had baby Benji laying between us and uh, baby Lola was inside of Mama Alana and we were looking forward to her uh, being born soon. 
And um, we had nothing, and so I started day one making calls and beginning to ask people if they would prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, uh, supporting this new church planting effort, and, and asking people to actually step out in faith, many of whom are you in this room today, and join with us in this mission and in this vision of bringing the gospel to this city in a fresh and a new way. Um, it is not because I am so incredibly charismatic over the phone that we are here today. It is the Lord who has provided, amen? And so we give him all the praise. We hallow his name. Number two, Jesus tells us to pray for God's kingdom. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is our second target of prayer. Now you may ask, what is God's kingdom? What particularly does that mean? I'm glad that you asked. Uh, Randy Pope has a phenomenal definition that I'm going to throw up on the screen here uh, behind you. He defines God's kingdom from Scripture as this. The kingdom of God is the reign of Christ the King in the lives of his kingdom people, which grows extensively broader and intensively deeper. The kingdom of this world is the reign of Satan in the lives of natural man. Broader, that is new people being saved, the, the, the family of God growing in number. Deeper, that is believers maturing in following Christ. That is discipleship relationships taking place. And that we live in a world that is under the evil and temporary rule of Satan. Because this is the reality, the kingdom of God has come. You may say when, where, how. There is a specific day, time, and location that the kingdom of God entered into this world. God himself came down, born of a virgin, in fulfillment of prophecy. Roughly 6 AD, according to our calendar now, it is 2022 AD, for those of us who are counting. His parents named him Jesus, which means the Lord saved in obedience to the instruction of the angel. And Jesus came and he lived among us. He lived the perfect life. He showed compassion. He healed the sick. He raised the dead to life. He preached with authority and he promised that he would die and then rise again three days later. And he did it. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 1. Now after John, that is John the Baptist, was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. At hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What are the implications of this? Well, among many things, Jesus himself says in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Revelation 12, 12 says the devil knows that his time is short. See, we live in a tension. We live in the already and the not yet. Jesus' kingdom has already come into the kingdom of this world within believers and growing outwardly, extensively and intensively, but we still live in a world that is in one way or another under Satan, and he still is here to steal, kill, and destroy until the day that Jesus returns. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 paints this picture more so. It says, and they, that is believers, they have conquered him, Satan, 
by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Amen. God's kingdom has come in us, and so we are in the fight. Amen. Led by our victorious King Jesus, we are persecuted. There are many still today who will pray, who will seek, and who will follow God, and it will cost them their lives, won't it? We may not know about that here in this country necessarily, but around the world, even today, there are many who will be martyrs for Christ. And so we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we don't just pray, do we? We participate. Lord, here am I, send me, said Isaiah in chapter 6, empower me. We pray that God's kingdom would be extended, that there would be more conversions to saving faith in Jesus. And so when we pray, we ought to pray by name, thinking of those we care about, those that we love, those that we long to see know Jesus personally. We pray that for them by name, persistently, asking Jesus to do what only he can do. We pray for the realization of a fully redeemed universe. That's why our vision is to see our city made new by the gospel. And we pray that God's kingdom would be intensified, that there'd be more discipleship, more growing together in and through Christ. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is particularly a prayer for parents, isn't it? We rejoice that, that Julia is one of many who have been called, who have experienced salvation and new life in Christ. And, and Julia is saying, I want to go and tell other people about it. And I want to go to a place that is hard soil. Brian and Kristen will tell you they are not perfect. They are not the perfect parents, but I promise you that they have prayed in many a way, as we ought to as well for our kids, your kingdom come in my children. Your will be done in my children. And for all of us, Lord, grow us, mature us, use us for your kingdom to come. Number three, God's provision. Jesus tells us our third target is to pray for God's provision. And he says this, give us this day our daily bread. Maybe you don't need to be reminded, but let me remind you once again anyway, that God is the giver of all good things. He promises to give good things to his people. And he tells us that our role is to ask. So ask him. Maybe that was hard for you this week. I don't know. Maybe it was easy for you this week. James chapter 1 says this, Every good gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Matthew chapter 6, the same chapter of Jesus' teaching here on prayer, he says, don't worry. He says, if God takes care of the birds of the field, if he takes care of the lilies of the field, then certainly he will take care of you. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Now, some of us might say, you know, I've been praying for that Ferrari for a while, and it hadn't come. Others of us, more, more seriously, may have prayed specifically for someone that they love to be healed. God, I pray for this person that I love to be healed, and they at least not yet have, have seen that person be healed. So how do we pray for our daily bread? A couple of questions that, that Randy Pope gave that I thought were particularly helpful to me to think about as we pray in faith, trusting God, asking, knowing that he is a good God who provides and tells us to ask. Here is one question to consider. 
Do I realize that God owes me nothing except that which he has promised? Think about that. Do I realize that God owes me nothing except that which he has promised? God has promised to provide our daily bread, meaning everything that we need. Um, God does not promise in this life that we will have physical health, but he does promise eternal spiritual health, doesn't he? God does not promise that we will not experience death, but he does promise eternal life. God does not promise us good circumstances, but he does promise that even in this life, that for his children, he will work even the worst of circumstances for your good and for his glory. Now, does God give us above and beyond what we ask? Yes, all the time. But it is not a guarantee. In fact, many a time, if the answer from God is no, or maybe not yet, it is because out of his goodness and sovereignty, he knows better what you need than you can ask. Another question to consider, do I realize that every promise that God makes carries with it legitimate conditions? Legitimate conditions. For example, the promise of salvation, faith is the condition. The promise of forgiveness, Repentance is the condition. The promise of blessing, obedience, is the condition. Give us this day our daily bread is not an invitation to be lazy, to check out, or to be irresponsible. You say, I have a desire to be in a dating relationship. You say, I'm praying I have a desire to be in a healthier marriage. I have a desire to to have a better or a different job. I have a desire for God to be clear about what school I ought to attend. I have a desire to have victory over this particular sin. Trust in God. Pray. Ask the God who gives all good things and participate in taking responsibility and obeying what God has made clear in his word for you and I to do. The Bible teaches us that when we pray, it ought to be offered from a pure heart. Not that we are perfect or will ever be perfect this side of glory, but Psalm 66, 18 says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. James 4, 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And as we pray, it ought to be according to and asking for God's will. Teaching here in 1 John chapter 5, look at verses 14 and 15 with me. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. And the Bible reminds us that as we pray, we ought to ask in faith. Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Again, not that we are perfect this side of heaven, not that in our actions we are earning God's salvation or God's favor by keeping his commandments. I cannot keep God's commandments perfectly this side of glory, but by the Holy Spirit's power, by God's grace, by the forgiveness that we have in Christ and the new life that we have been given in him, we pray We ask for God's provision and we seek to obey him in what he has called us to do. Pray for God's provision. Number four, Jesus gives us a a fourth prayer target and that is God's forgiveness. We pray for God's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts 
Many translations will say trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors. The point here is sin. We have a spiritual debt. We break laws. We trespass. We are sinners. Jesus here is talking to believers, to followers of his, saying that you ought to, we ought to pray and ask for forgiveness from him. Why is that? See, because the reality is that sin breaks fellowship with God. All those who are outside of Christ are not experiencing relationship and fellowship with God. By Jesus' death and resurrection, when we receive him by faith, we can experience now for the first time real relationship with God. God will never leave us, but when we wander in sin, it damages our fellowship, our relationship with God. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. See, sin is, is missing the mark of God in any fashion. Uh, we can sin by omission or commission. Sins of omission, I should have done that and I didn't. Sins of commission, I shouldn't have done that. Sin can be an attitude, an internal thing, or it can be an outward action that everybody can see. But the reality is, as you and I as believers, we still struggle and fight against sin this side of heaven. 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so Jesus is teaching us here in the Lord's Prayer to regularly have a habit of in honesty, transparency, and closeness with God, come to God in prayer and say, God, I just want to admit to you again that I have messed up, that I've done things that I shouldn't have done, and I've left undone the things that I know that I should have done. Would you forgive me? The promise of God that when we ask for forgiveness, the answer is always yes, but Jesus here is teaching us to confess and, and engage in fellowship with him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I have good news this morning, and it is the reason that we gather here. Sin's penalty has been paid. You are free in Christ by our advocate, the Lord Jesus. 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, speaking to believers, I, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the payment for sin, and he is the one who resolves God's holy and righteous anger towards us for sin. Jesus has made a way where there was no way for you and I. Though we come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, we recognize clearly that there is a permanent answer to our sin problem, and his name is Jesus. He has done for us what we cannot do ourselves. And if you have received Jesus by faith, if you are in Christ, then your sins, past, present, and future, have been nailed to his cross, and they hold no power over you anymore. We have new life in Christ. So Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness, and then he says, and do likewise, forgive others the way that you yourself have been forgiven. 
says, as we also, God, help me forgive others like you have forgiven me. Matthew chapter 18, a little later on in in Jesus' teaching, Jesus tells one of many parables in the New Testament. Uh, This one is particularly challenging and sobering. It's known as the parable of the unmerciful servant. And the story that Jesus tells to illustrate his point is he tells of of a great king who had a servant and the servant had accumulated a massive debt. And the king rightfully called in that debt and said to his servant, you need to pay the debt. And the servant said to the king, I I can't do it. Please forgive my debt. Give give me more time. Please don't hold this against me. And the king chose to be merciful and said, I forgive your debt. And that servant left the presence of the king and immediately went down to the road to a servant of his who owed him, the Bible says, a very small amount. And he said to that second servant, not what the king had just said to him, but rather said, give me what you owe me immediately. The servant made the same request. Please forgive the the debt. Please, Please show mercy. He said, absolutely not. And he threw him into debtor's prison. And then Jesus says, now what do you think that that righteous king will do when he hears about it? It says that the righteous king came and went to the first servant who had been forgiven much and threw him into the debtor's prison. Lord, help me to forgive the way that you have already forgiven me. And let me not be such a hypocrite that you have forgiven me all of my guilt, all of the ways that I have offended a holy and righteous God. And yet I hold on to bitterness towards my brother or sister in Christ or or in the world either way. And yet I will not forgive that one. You don't know what they did. I can't forgive that. Jesus gives us a higher way. He says, pray for forgiveness and help us to forgive others the way that we ourselves have been forgiven. Fifth and final target here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray specifically for God's power. That at the end of Jesus' prayer, he says, call upon the Lord and ask for God's power. And he says it this way, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What does this fifth target uh, of prayer mean? Well, let me just clarify real quickly. Uh, is the Bible here, is Jesus saying that God the Father is going to tempt you to sin? No. Can God tempt you to sin? No. Will he tempt you to sin? No. How do we know? Well, among many places. James chapter 1. We looked at this several weeks ago as we walked through the book of James. James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God does not tempt anybody. Jesus here is specifically talking about the inevitable temptation that comes from Satan, that comes from our inherent sinfulness. Uh, if you look at your Bible, if you've got a paper Bible in front of you, you'll see there even that there's some sort of an asterisk, a marker there where it says the word evil. It will say in a little parenthesis somewhere down the page, evil or evil one. That what we are referring to, a, a maybe more clear way to translate this would be in order that we not be led into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. See, there is an evil one. We've mentioned him already, and he has a wicked strategy. But the kingdom of Jesus has come. So when Jesus died on the cross, Satan was defeated and stripped of the authority that he previously held. But the Bible says in the New Testament that Satan still, for a time, roams the earth 
seeking as a lion those he can devour. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Satan has a strategy, and we would be wise to know it and recognize that God's power is greater than Satan's power. But this is Satan's strategy. Three things. Satan tempts, Satan deceives, and Satan accuses. Satan tempts, he deceives, and he accuses. What does that look like? This is the voice of Satan. It won't hurt you. If it makes you feel good, you should do it. It'll make you feel better. Go ahead. You deserve this. You've been good for a while. No one will ever know who's going to find out. You can get your life straightened out later. Just try harder. You're not as bad as you think you are. And then you give in to that temptation. And the moment you give in to that temptation, Satan says this, look what you did. God will never forgive you. You can't change. This is hopeless. Just give up. What you've done is so awful. Not only is what you've done awful, but you are awful. Let me just remind you of all of your guilt and shame. You're wrong. You don't matter to God. He doesn't love you. That's the voice of Satan, the voice of accusation. And God has provided the perfect defense. God has not left you in that place. And we can pray and we can remember, God, you are more powerful. God, you are greater. God, your kindness and your mercy is new every single morning. God, you are king in this world and king in my life. God, you are righteous and you have poured out your perfect righteousness over and in me. God, you are victorious. God, you have a better plan for my life. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning. You would say, I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And you would say, I want to be free from temptation. I want to be free from sin. I want to be free from the guilt and the shame that I experience. The Bible is clear. Cry out to Jesus. Call upon him. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy. But I, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. If you are in Christ this morning, remember the reality that you have been forgiven. That the Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You stand covered in the perfect righteous robes of Jesus. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can walk in the Spirit now. In fact, the Bible says the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Paul adds in 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability and he will provide the way of escape. And so Jesus says, pray for, ask for God's power. Jesus has already won. He will return one day. I don't know when. doesn't matter when, but he is coming back. And in the meantime, we live in the tension of the already and the not yet. And we follow Jesus' instruction to pray, to call upon God, to ask for God's honor, ask for God's kingdom, ask for God's daily provision ask for God's forgiveness, and ask for God's power. Let's get to it. Amen? Let's pray together.